All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. We are back again. Yes, back again, and it's been less than a month. Less than a month, and we are back again. I am KB5JBV Richard, uh, coming to you from the uh, card top of the card table in Heartland, Texas. For those of y'all who don't know where that is, get your map out and look. We are situated directly dead center in between the four points of Mesquite, Terrell, Crandall, and Forney. Just about right dead square in the middle. All righty, so uh, we're going to be going kind of quick. I apologize for the echo. This uh, particular room where the studio is going to be is a little on the spartan side we finally got some of the echo killed out because we got some stuff on the walls in the other place but uh it will take us a little time now i've run my head too long i know that russ is starting to doze so let me introduce to you that debonair man about town russ k5 tux say hello to everybody russ Good evening, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX. Okay, anyway. Yeah, this is Russ, K5TUX, uh, broadcasting from between the peaks in the fine forests of north-central Arkansas. And we are doing our second podcast in a row. We did one last week. We're doing one this week. One just got released, episode number 61. Episode number 62 will be coming out shortly, and this is episode number 63. So welcome, everybody our veterans and new listeners alike. And I guess I'm going to send it on back to Heartland, Texas, which for those who are diligent and paying attention will realize is not where Richard used to be. No, no, that's true. But he has, he has a new life and a new commitment to things going on. And Linux in the ham shack is going strong. So back to you. I was asked to leave. <laughs> My visa expired. See, I grew up in the city right next to Bald Springs, and you actually had to have a passport to get into Bald Springs at that time. So, it, anyway, and, you know, I, I called Russ Debbin there a while ago. I don't think I said you're Euro trash. <laughs> Why did I imply that you did? Good evening. Oh, right. Sorry, I got my, got, was getting my fab on. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so we're out here in the country with the bugs and critters. Uh, I had the Terminex man give me a ration cause he wanted to tell me about black widow spiders. And I was in the middle of trying to put the studio together so we could record this evening and he would not leave me alone. Uh, Terminex man probably doesn't understand that I am not the homeowner and I will put bullets in his butt. So with that, Let's go ahead and move on. It's been a long, long week. We've got the wind link running pretty much, kind of, sort of. That's the problem with our new location. We're going to have to battle over an antenna. I'll get one up, whether they like it or not. Everything else, but otherwise, everybody is happy and fat and sassy, and we've actually had three, count them, three real meals for dinner over the last three days. So, I guess we'll get on with the program. First up on the program in under announcements we have, the Ambassador Program needs your help. We'll be issuing posters of Russ in a patriotic-style hat, uh, giving you the finger, saying that the Linux Ambassador Program needs your help. Tell them all about the Ambassador Program, Russ. 
The Ambassador Program is where we get our listeners to help us promote Linux in the Hamshack and open source software by going to open source conferences, Linux conferences, and potentially ham fests in our stead. And what we do is provide you with a booth set up, give you things to give away like distribution CDs and business cards which promote the podcast and so on and so forth. You go to the shows, hype Linux in the ham shack and open source and all of those good things. We give you free swag and everybody's happy. So what we need is for people to volunteer to be able to go to ham fests and Linux fests in your particular area. So if you are willing to do this, please go to the ambassador page. That is, click on the ambassador link at the lhspodcast.info page or send an email to ambassadors at lhspodcast.info indicating your willingness to be a part of the program and we will get you set up for any events that happen in your area. We really need your help with this program. We would love to be able to go to every Linux Fest and Ham Fest in the country or around the world, but of course we can't. So we're enlisting our listeners to help us out with this. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a problem, but help us out with our lack of ability to be everywhere at once. Please let us know if you're interested in the program. And that's our call to our listeners. So please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. And we would love for you to be a Linux in the Hamshack ambassador. So... Richard's kind of new to the program. We do have one volunteer already in the Colorado Springs area, but we would like a lot more. So what what else do you have to say about that? Um, I'm worried right now. I wish they'd get that damn sheep out of here. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, because I'm worried uh, yeah. what you might do to it. Uh, remind me after we finish the show to tell you something my son told me about. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, the ambassador program is, it's a great idea. It'll help us out a great deal because, uh, it's kind of difficult traveling to all these things that we need to travel to. Uh, luckily, uh, with the changing situation around here, I might be able to actually get back to going to some of the ham fests and stuff. So, uh, yeah, y'all get in touch with Russ if you can help us out and, uh, we'll see what we can do with that. So, uh, let's see, what else? Um, oh, now you tell me that you're able to go to this stuff when I reveal that I can't? What's with you? I'm talking about the close ones. Well, I can't go, I can't go yet. I'm anticipating a better life. Hey, I mean, relatively speaking, Ohio's close. I mean, it's closer than, say, I don't you have know, any relatives in Ohio. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's closer than, you know. You said the, relatively speaking. The... <laughs> Never mind. Okay, you were about to say something else. Go right ahead. I, yes, but it completely slipped my mind. No, actually, to tell you the truth, if you, if you really want to be serious about it, uh, Texarkana and Austin are the same distance from here, or just about. And so is Shreveport. Well, and, if there are any ham fests in the Texarkana or Shreveport area, we'd be happy to have you go to them. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, this will be sometime in the future well aren't you going to the oklahoma super spammerama hammerama dama thingy you're talking about the texoma hammerama yeah that's the one uh only if i have enough cash oh okay we will see we will see the girls are diligently packing away as we speak so we'll see what happens we got like eight bus loads of crap to go on ebay so moving on 
to the next announcement. Uh, if you listened to the previous episode, you got to hear my long and heartfelt farewell to my old friend, Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. For those of y'all who skipped over that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it. For those of you who skipped over it and really don't want to go back and listen to it, we'll give it to you in a short version. The short version is that uh, the production is ended on Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, the website will be going away pretty soon. I'm catching a little crap off the guys at the Internet Archive, but we'll get that fixed. Uh, we've found somebody that will host the website, which will probably be pretty much static, but we're going to get the uh, episodes linked to the website so you guys have access to them. Uh, my suggestion is y'all keep listening. When we get it happening, it'll be good to go. We'll, we'll tell everybody where, where to go, we'll take a look at it and everything else, and life will be lovely. Well, I won't say I won't say it's a spoiler or anything like that, and I won't say that it will come to pass, but I don't know if you noticed, but when the original members, i.e. Um, Charles and Rothgar of the Linux Mint podcast, said they were going to go away and hand it off to someone else or they couldn't handle the podcast anymore, that production of the Linux Mint podcast went up by about 3,000%. So you never know what could happen. So you're saying somebody going to take my damn show and run with it? Well, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there may be content that you don't even know about. Well, that's okay, because we'll put it on the website. Well, no one's going to steal your show. Resonant Frequency will always be yours. But I, I've seen some of the comments that came after your announcement and there are folks who don't want it to die. So maybe that, it won't. That, that is true. That is true. And who knows? I, I never said it was completely dead. What I, what I said was that I can't continue with it at this time. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. The future, the, the future is, let's see. The future is uh, so bright. My, my, I have to wear shades. Oh, my, one of my favorite quotes. Here's, Here's to the undiscovered country, the future. Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, buddy. <clears throat> this and, one of my and favorite And Three, who for people who don't recognize the song mentioned. I was not talking about no song. Well, I was. Nice words about rich. Wait a minute. They're, they're chugging along in the chat room. Let me see what these people are talking about. Ooh. Yeah, I plan on going back and listening to that. Uh, for those of y'all that li don't listen to it, you probably need to go check out the ICQ podcast. I think we've got their, got a link listed to them on the website. Apparently they got my email about us shutting the doors. And according to Bill, they said something nice about me. Now, considering how things were a couple of years ago, okie dokie. And, and I'll be willing to bet they still don't know that I'm alive. Oh, I bet they do. Of course. They're, they use Linux. They just not overly Linux. So anyway, let, let, let us seek and we figure something else out. Andy KB one O I Q O I Q, uh, went over there, download his new ham radio distribution that we talked about the last time. And that's why one of the reasons I hate you verse. Because that bad boy fired up and it chugged on along at about 250K coming down the line for about three minutes. And then the speed started dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And then it quit. 
with an hour left. That's why you use WGET with the dash C option. Well, I don't know where to point it. Or I'd just grab my my FileZilla and went and got it. Well, if you right-click on a download link, it always gives you the URL, and you just plug it into WGET. Really? Yep. I'll have to give that a try. Unless it's, unless it's one of those stupid-ass JavaScript things, in which case they can bite me. WGET with a C. Yes, the dash C option is for continue. Uh-huh. So that if, for some reason, your UVerse basically fails on you, some, you know, three-quarters of the way through the download, you can issue that command again, and it will start the download from the last byte that it got, uh-huh. and it will assemble your completed download into a singular file, and you will be able to do with it what you wanted to. That's pretty good stuff. I don't know why somebody doesn't put that in a podcast so people can download it. Well, I think it's been done now. Oh, yeah, this is a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, damn sheep's back. This is this is one of those audio podcasts. This is one of those audio things that goes out over the internet and people listen to it and and get good information. Things well, like you know, W get dash C. Yeah. I might just have to start listening to this show. Yeah, buddy. Oh, that's not the most of my Uverse woes. We've fallen out of announcements now, people. Yeah. We're we're, cur- we're currently talking about Uverse woes. <laughs> right. We've moved on to bitching. So go right ahead. And I hate Windows 7 while I'm at it because I can't get Windows 7 to connect to the wireless network in this house. WPA or WEP? Yeah. No, that that was an either-or question, not a yes. (laughs) (laughs) WPA personal. Uh, Pre-shared key? Yes. And it doesn't work? And it don't work. Not on the Windows 7. Now, the other side of it is the Linux machines have no problem with the wireless network. Well, you know what I would call that? Yeah, but I have to have that laptop that way. Oh, what were you thinking I was going to call it? Uh, Get rid of Windows. Well, sort of. I was going to call it a feature, but, you know. A feature? Yeah, it's a feature. If Windows doesn't connect to your network and Linux does, to me, that's a feature. A Windows feature? Well, just a plain old feature. It might be a, fe- a feature a feature article in the newspaper when I, I shoot the damn router box with a shotgun. <laughs> now, now there won't be no shooting guns in this house, right. I've been told. Now, that's a feature. I've been told by the queen of the house. So are you done Ain't bitching gonna... about U-verse, or do you have more? Uh, let's see. What else is wrong with U-verse? It's slow. My Windows laptop won't connect. Well, Brenda's Windows laptop won't connect. And I got these stupid little wall plugs that you you plug in for your network. They plug into the electric box, the plug, which means you lose a plug because it's got a damn network thing sticking out of it. Well, here's the thing. I just gave we gave up AT and T in general um, about two months ago. And I had to pay almost $300 for the privilege of leaving AT&T, and I was happy to do it. Well, I understand that, but it's not my house. Oh, yes, and my uh, my hub won't work. You still have a hub? They're called switches nowadays. I have a hub. You have a hub. It's a, uh, let me look. 
You mean it actually shares bandwidth among its ports, like it's a true hub? It's an EN108 108 Netgear hub. Wow. Figure that one out. Well, if it's a true hub, you know what you should do with it. Uh, pitch it in the street. Well, no, you know that thing you were saying about guns? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, I, I figured out that I had a switch hooked up to one of the computers over at the over at the old house when I was crawling around under the desk today. So I'm going to bring that switch over here and plug it in and see if that works. Right now, I've got two Linux boxes running on <laughs> USB wireless dongles. I have a machine we run the Skype on plugged into the wall socket thingy. Brenda's is plugged into the wall socket thingy. And the Windows 7 laptop won't work. Well, it will work on the Internet if I climb up under there and unplug the uh, the Skype box and plug the cable in, but it won't work on wireless. My laptop, which has got Ubuntu on it, is over there in the corner, and I haven't attempted to get it hooked up yet. Well, here's so. what I have to say all about that. I can I can sum it up in just a few words, and those words are, we are still able to record Linux in the ham shack, so all is good. I spent, I was diligent about getting it going. Now, uh, we've got all the announcements out. We bitched about some stuff and griped about some stuff, and I've chased that damn sheep out of here, and the girls are home, and the door's shut, and, and everything. So, I'm mad. I don't even know how long we've been going, and I didn't start the audacity, so I hope my audio is good. Your audio is good so far, but you probably should start it here at this point. Unless you have any objections, I think we should probably take a short break. Oh, I could definitely use a break, and I'm sure our listeners could too. So we'll be back in a few minutes and come back on the other side. I'm going to throw on some good music in the meantime, and then we have some stuff to talk about. Well, the bottle keeps me from the therapist's couch. Don't really want to know what that's all about My friends all hate to see me alone But I like myself and I tell myself so I soar on the wind when I play my guitar Sing all the songs when I drive in the car I live in the moment as much as I can Simple as it gets for a complicated man There are those who think I live a life of sin There are those who think that my party never ends There are those who are sure that I'm chasing youth They don't realize I've caught the truth Love is the only gift we can give We all need to learn to live and to live I know where I'm at and I know who I am Simple as it gets for a complicated man Ask me questions I can't answer File them under I don't know Do I need 
got cards I don't want to show Well, I kick myself when the morning comes My heart beats in my head like a pounding drum Always a day away from starting new At least 20 pounds from being cool but I'm going the distance, standing my ground Scrambling up to keep from sliding down That's good as I got for a backup plan Simple as it gets for a complicated man Ask me questions Dancer, file them under I don't know Do I need someone to save me? I've got cards I don't want to show Well, I kick myself when the morning comes My heart beats in my head like a pounding drum Always a day away from starting new At least 20 pounds from being cool But I'm going the distance, standing my ground Scrambling up to keep from sliding down That's good as I've got for a backup plan Simple as it gets for a complicated man Okay, here we go. We uh, Let me tell you, I'm glad Russ is in charge of the music because from listening to the other show, y'all know I have no taste. So, <laughs> Being a fan of the blues does not mean you don't have any taste. <laughs> I could have put the classical music on them, or it could have been Brad, 24-hour Brad sucks all the time. 367 Brad sucks. Brad He's sucks is, is good. I will give you He's, that, but he does get old after a while. He's trying to get another album together. He's not good as he used to be. I get updates when he when he releases a demo. I get updates on that so I can listen to him. You know what I, is pretty good? There's there's a guy who's a singular guy uh-huh. uh, who releases music under the band name Mad Mav M A D M A V. Trent Reznor? Uh, no, it's not Trent Reznor. Oh. He's very good, considering that it's just him with a digital audio workstation creating some decent heavy metal music. He's been... Yeah! Fe- yeah! I got the echo tonight. I can do it. <laughs> wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get my thing here. Hold on. I got, I got to do my thing. Oh. Yeah! Crap. Okay, here we go. Yeah! Bless you. You need to see a doctor about that. There we go. I'm back. What was that saying? I don't know. Oh, Mad Mav. Yeah, it's worth listening. He's been featured on um, at least one of our earlier podcasts. I don't remember. Yeah? Yep. I'm not turning the right knob, am I? Oh, do you see in the in the chat room, KB3CDA says that Leo is now W6TWT. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, you know he, what? He's always been a tit. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure he would like to refer to TWT as twit, W6twit. I, for one, am going to refer to it as twat, W6twat. So, ah, Leo the twat. That's exactly right. Hey. Nice echo. I can't, I can't find it. You got an echo there. Let's try this one. Ooh, that's kind of warm. Actually, I'm looking for this one. <laughs> um, I, I think you've grown a, 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 a munchkin. Me and my twin. Yeah. Baby munchkin man. Are you using that uh, Alesis that I, that I sold you? Yes. Excellent. I don't, I don't get to play with the effects much because I don't normally plug my guitars into it. However, this is an announcement for the vocally impaired. You're not going to keep Echo the whole time, are you? No, I'm going to find what I'm looking for in a minute. We need to quit screwing around so that uh, we don't end up losing who's in the chat room. Before Russ gets too techy on y'all, because he got some techy stuff he wants to talk about, uh, let me go ahead and uh, tell y'all that on the last episode, which hadn't come out at the moment, but may in the future come out, we were talking about getting packet or uh, AX25 up and running over there on uh, on Ubuntu. And I want y'all to know that I took all the equipment down, transported it, set it back up, or at least plugged in the computer because I don't have a on-the-air side running right now. Brought it back up. It's checking into the servers. It's doing just like it's supposed to. Now, when we're able to uh, catch a little break where I can climb up on the ladder, well, okay, when I can get some tranquilizers, then climb up on the on the ladder. Uh, we're going to try and sneak an antenna up in the air because we got code restrictions around here and get that going. So we'll keep you all posted on how that's coming out. So, Russ, my man, tell us about the new and improved, fantastic, super terrific Linux Kernel 3. Yes, Linux Kernel has just recently gone to version 3.0. We were, if I remember correctly, at 2.6.39, I believe was the last version of the 2.6 kernel. And Linus decided that we needed to stop using the 2.6 train and go to 3.0. So my recent versions, my upgrades of Linux Mint and Debian have downloaded and installed the 3.0.0 kernel. The reason I bring this up is because there has been a huge advance in the kernel architecture. And I thought that everybody should know about it in order to make sure that everybody is aware that we are now and in the future going to be on the Linux 3.0 kernel. And here is the big advancement that we have made in Linux. Now you can go Google this on the web and there's all sorts of information out there about it. But I just want everybody to be aware. The thing that has changed that has made the most dramatic uh, impact in the Linux world is that the two has changed to a three and the six is now a zero. So there you go. Those are the major advances in the 3.0 kernel. So everybody's now up to date and uh, I guess we can move on to other things. Well, you know, it's been 2.6 for a long time. 
Long time. That's very true. It has. I've got 2.6 kernels that are older than my dogs. Some of my children, my car, and that block of moldy cheese in the refrigerator. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad that they finally decided to break with convention. Convention convention. Yeah, you know what the hell I'm saying, people. They made it. Made a clinging break of it. We're gonna go to three, and we're not gonna worry about the past. All twos with points behind them are pointy twos. If that makes any sense at all. In truth, and in all seriousness, there are some major upgrades to the 3.0 kernel. Support for Zen DOM Zero, support for the ButterFS file system, etc., etc., etc. There are some real advancements in the 3.0 kernel, but for the most part, it's not going to mean anything to anybody except for a lot of the modules you built on the 2.6 train are going to break. So uh, that's pretty much it, and I uh, don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on the 3.0 kernel. So anyway, that's that. And it's broken module time. Broken module time at Linux in the ham shack. Peanut butter jelly broken kernel time. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I've been uh, been trying to clear my throat, clearing, clear my throat out and stuff. I've tried gargling glass like. This one guy I was listening to. Anyway, um, okay, so now we've done that. And next it says, your first license. What should you expect? I feel that there's a mystery brewing here. Maybe you can enlighten me on what that means. Okay, the real mystery here is that I have put this in there because I wanted you to say a few words instead of me because I knew since I put most of the information in the Etherpad that I would be doing most of the talking. But since you are a much better storyteller, I would like to sort of go back to basics for a little bit, maybe a five-minute session, where Richard, KB5JBV, will go back to his roots and tell our listeners what it was like to get his first lesson, or not his first lesson, his first license in amateur radio. What I was born a poor <laughs> black child back down in Mississippi where it echoed all time echo all time and oh i'm sorry go ahead Russ. okay so basically i just wanted to and, and i will interject from here too but maybe tell the story of what led up to getting your first license including what studying and training you got and what the process was for going to your volunteer examiners and taking the testing and stuff like that no, nothing real in-depth but people might be interested what the process is for actually getting your first amateur radio license. So, and I thought, like I said, since you are the better storyteller, that maybe you could uh, get us from point A to point B. He wants me to tell stories now. That's right. He he used to get mad because I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> get to talking about radios and his eyes glaze over. Tongue hangs out. That's why we don't do video anymore. He didn't want y'all watching him drool. My case is not typical, though, and I will tell y'all, the thing that made me decide to get my amateur radio license was when I was three or four years old, no, older than that, probably about five years old, the very first radio that I had that was mine was a Radio Shack crystal radio kit that me and my father built. 
Well, before you go too deep into this story, let me just bring you back to what I was hoping for here. This is not about how you got into radio as a whole. This is when you finally decided that you wanted to get your amateur radio license, what was the process that you went through? Well, the process is is all part of the bigger picture, but we, we can jump ahead a few years to not adolescent Richard anymore. Yeah, let's let's like move forward from the womb a little bit and come up to, you know, maybe your teen years. Well, actually, I got my license. I was licensed when I was 28 years old, 28 years old. And I was coming from that service that we don't talk about. And because my father always drug me into hobbies that uh, he would get into, that's how I learned to play golf. That's how I got certified as a scuba diver, uh, that kind of stuff. He was desperately because he had always wanted his amateur radio license. So, uh, he got me involved and what he told me was we were talking about it and I'd borrowed some, uh, antenna books from him to improve my other station. And he said, I tell you what, if you take that test and pass it and then you get privileged, get, take the next test and pass it and get the privileges, I'll give you this shiny new handheld. It was beautiful. It was an ICOM 209RH, and it shone with the glory of the sun. It was beautiful. It was like Excalibur coming up out of the lake in the hand of the lady. So I decided I was going to do it. All right. In those days, back in those days, back, you know, back in the last century, we had to take an entry-level code test. It's not that way anymore, but we'll get to it. How did you study for your code test? In my case, I wanted to pass that code test so bad, and I was having such a hard time grasping it. Uh, I went with the tapes. I went and got my dad's tapes, Gordon West, WB6NOA's code test, code tapes. And I was having such a hard time grasping the code that I started sitting in my car because I had a job where I could, sit in my car with a battery-operated uh, handheld cassette player, Listen to those code tapes with a spiral notebook, writing down the characters for months. Not only was I doing that, but I was wearing a Walkman I had, one of those cassette-playing Walkman things. When I went to bed at night, I would start it playing. When I got up the next day, I'd put it on my head and listen to it. And I chipped away at that code for three months. I also got to the point that when I was driving down the road, I'd look at the street signs and spell them to myself in code when I'd go past them. I would use the letters that I could remember and spell the the street signs out to me. I had a desire. I wanted that code test. But we don't do that anymore. So when I went to take my code test, uh, because there was some people in my mentor group my Elmer group wasn't just my dad. There was other people in it that were V's and had been known to give shady testing sessions. The day I went to take my code test, my entry level exam, because at that time, and I don't know if you still can or not, because I haven't checked in a while at that time, all you had to have was two, I think it was general class operators verify that you took the code test and passed it. And then you could send that stuff into the VEC and 
get the license pushed through. Because of some of the people that were in my Elmer group, two others in my Elmer group came over and sat in the living room of my father's couch, um, father's house while I sat in the kitchen and took my code test. And when the code test was finished, they took it in there and showed it to the people that had come to stand vigil. And I had missed three characters from somebody who could not grasp five words a minute Morse code. And there was a little, uh, was a little, a small, very simple written test that went with that. But I already knew most of that stuff because of my experiences with other radio equipment. So a week later, <laughs> a week later, uh, my dad said, Hey, come on over here and we'll ride over to the University of Texas in Arlington because there is a testing session over there and you can take your technician class test, which is the test I had to pass to be able to get that shiny radio. So I drove from my house to his house. He and I and the technician class book got in the car together. And I studied for the 40 minutes it took to drive from his house to the University of Texas. And I did not pass that test with such extreme ease as I did the first test. But the technician class test, I did pass it. And when we got back to his house, he presented me with that radio, which I ran as my mobile, ran as my mobile, my base, and my handy talkie for two years after that. Now, that's the way it was back in the last century. Now we have a new and improved amateur radio service. So what do you need to expect? Well, first of all, you're going to have to get the materials. If you have an Elmer available, that is way better. It's a whole lot better if you have somebody that has a little experience that doesn't mind showing you the ropes and stuff. But I've gotten emails over the years from guys that are like, Hey, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. There's no large city. There's no amateur radio clubs. I haven't even seen a ham radio antenna anywhere within a hundred miles of my home. How am I supposed to do this? First of all, decide uh, where you're going to go take your test. Once you've decided where you're going to go take your test, you'll need to find out because the two major, uh, Two major VECs in the country, and there's some smaller ones in isolated areas. But the two major ones are the ARRL and W5YI. Those are the two that uh, you're probably going to end up taking a test at one of their test sessions. Test sessions designed by them, question pools, or uh, tests designed by them. The question pool is agreed upon by all the VECs before it can be okayed by the FCC. <clears throat> anyway, and they both are a little bit different. Once you've decided which one you're going to, then you get materials that are geared for that kind of test session. If it's an ARRL test session, then you want to go ahead and get your books from the league. There's no better place to get them. They need to say ARRL on them with a diamond on them. There is no better place. They are expensive, they're pricey, but they're, it's good material. And the ARRL books, for the most part, are they'll teach you the theory as you go through them. 
Now they have actual uh, licensing guides, and they have some books that are used for licensing that are a little bit more. Like uh, what was it? Hello Radio. I don't remember what it was. I've never used it. I've given te- I've given classes and never used it. On the W5YIN, you got people like Gordon West, WB6NOA, putting out uh, materials which are geared kind of more that direction. So now you know what you're going to be studying towards. You can do like some do and go out and memorize the question pool. That works for some people, but that still puts you in in the in the hobby with a license without a lot of knowledge unless you've been fooling with radios for years. Once you uh, have studied, then you have to decide when you're going to get down there. Now here's where it gets kind of kind of tricky. And a lot, I tell you what, there's a big chunk of people that fail their very first amateur radio test, and it's because they go in and they're scared, they freeze up. Most people don't take tests very well. Some people do. I, I'm one of those people that I used to be terrified when I'd go take tests, but now it's gotten to the point that. I've taken so many for one thing or another over the years that I just really don't pay attention. I go in, I sit down, I look at the information, I take the test. Now, inside the VE session, they're going to want some identification. They're going to want a copy of your uh, certificate of completion for a lower-level license or your previous license if you already have them. You know, they're going to ask you a few questions. They might get you to fill out some paperwork, but for the most part, you're going to go in and take these tests. Now, I don't know if it's changed over the years. It's been a long time since I've given a test. Used to, W5Y was multiple choice, and ARRL was not. That may have changed over the years. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've given testing, been involved in testing session. When things get squared away here, I may try again. But you're going to get that piece of paper down in front of you. They're going to give you a sheet of paper. If you're going for a license that's uh, higher than just a technician class, they're going to allow you a calculator, but they're going to check it to make sure that it doesn't have any pre-programmed formulas or anything in it. And you're going to sit there and take the test, just like being in school. You're going to go. You're going to finish the test. They're going to grade it for you. They're going to let you know that night if you passed or not. And it's nothing to get too terribly excited about. Because you either pass or you don't pass. If you don't pass, you go back, you study, you go back the next month and take the test again. I know people that have had to take one level of test or other multiple times. Even the ones that I didn't pass with flying colors, I always passed. You know, that's the thing. Uh, My advanced test, the place that I took the test was... At a place called, uh, was Tucker's, Tucker's over in, uh, Garland, Texas. And the group giving the tests out there was later shut down by the FCC because they were selling licenses. I took my test. I passed it. There wasn't anything shady about it, but I, and I didn't know that these guys were doing that. However, that kind of stuff does happen. And I know a few people here locally and they know I know that's the sweet part. That bought their licenses. Hard to believe, but it does happen. Anyway, so you've taken your test, you passed it, 
life is good. You can pitch that book in the trash or give it to somebody else who's trying to get themselves studied up for test. Now what? Okay, we're not going to go too far because I've talked about handhelds and stuff like that and getting on air first thing and everything on on in other places, not just uh, uh, resonant frequency, but I think I talked about it on ham radio, uh, amateur radio Q&A when it was still on there and some other stuff. What's going to happen is, whereas we used to have to wait six, eight, ten weeks to get our license back in the mail, they file all that stuff electronically now. And as soon as your call sign shows up in the call book, you're on the air. I will say this, though. good friend of mine, one of the uh, ex-section managers in this area, former section managers in this area, named Roy Raby, 85 X something. I don't even talk to him on the radio. When I talk to him, I talk to him on the phone. He told me one time that when while he was still section manager that some of the league statistics said 90% of the people that get their license never get on the air. And consequently, those people don't renew their licenses when it comes time. And they don't do it because they're afraid. They have mic fright. They can't secure equipment. Whatever. Once you get that license, you are valuable. You're important. Among the other things, the fun aspects of the hobby, you're needed for emergency communications to help get the message through. So don't let that license slip away. And be careful with it. Take care of it. That's the biggest thing that these old-timers that won't talk to anybody anymore were worried about is that people wouldn't respect the lessons that they got without having to work really hard for it. Kind of like what I was discussing with the code. They think that it's easier to get in now so people won't take as good a care, so they won't follow the rules as well. Prove them wrong. So, go out there, take your test, try and remain calm. It's not like you have to fight that code test anymore. I've sat right next to my friend L.H. Marshall, who's a silent key now. He and I have sat there with the headphones, giving code tests, and people just, I mean, freaking out over it. You don't have to worry about that. Go study the book. Jim Haney, former uh, president of the ARRL local boy here. Uh, in fact, he and I used to have fun playing with our call signs because they were so close told me that he looked at the technician class test the at the time he said codeless technician class te- technician test and he admitted to me that he couldn't pass it he could not pass that test president of the ARRL because the hobby's changed so much so with that i feel that uh, russ is probably falling asleep we've probably gone long enough to run up on another break y'all go ahead and listen to some music And I'm going to see if I can get him awake. We'll be right back. One, two, one, two. Wait, 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 wait. One, two, one. One, two, one, two. If you like... You count it. One, two, 
Feel like I'm living a dream Since I got up today Packed up my troubles And I put them away Got a bounce in my step And I'm feeling free So if you're coming around To bring me down You better let me be don't be harsh in my mellow Don't be putting me on Don't be pushing my buttons Don't string me along Don't be jamming my brakes I'm an easygoing fellow We all make mistakes Don't be harsh in my mellow when I say my prayers, I thank God I'm alive. And for family and friends I have in my life. Got a smile on my face, there's not a cloud in the sky. So if you're coming bad news, you're singing the blues, you better pass me by. Don't be harsh in my mellow Don't be putting me on Don't be pushing my buttons Don't string me along Don't be jamming my brakes I'm an easygoing fellow We all make mistakes Don't be harsh in my mellow I look at my woman, she gives me a grin She says she is liking that mood that I'm in You see it's contagious, so let the good times roll So if you feel impressed, or you're getting stressed Maybe it's time to let go don't be harsh in my mellow Don't be putting me on Don't be pushing my buttons Don't string me along Don't be jamming my brakes I'm an easygoing fellow We all make mistakes Don't be harsh in my mellow don't be harsh in my mellow Don't be putting me on Don't be pushing my buttons Don't string me along Don't be jamming my brakes I'm an easygoing fellow We all make mistakes Don't be harsh in my mellow don't be harsh in my mellow Don't be putting me on Don't be pushing my buttons Don't string me along Folks, I'm not going to say it this time. So Russ is uh, 
<laughs> Russ has been revisit, revisiting Open Hatch. We talked about Open Hatch a little bit a few episodes back. And now that since I put y'all to sleep in the last segment, I'm going to let him put y'all to sleep. Okay, a few episodes ago, we were sent an email about a project, an open source project called Open Hatch. And at that time, neither Richard nor I had really a chance to look at Open Hatch to find out what it was about. We knew that it had something to do with promoting open source collaboration in the sense of finding developers and bug fixers and stuff like that, but we really didn't know much else about it. So I decided that since I had some spare time late this afternoon that I would check out Open Hatch myself and see what it was all about. What it seems to do, or what it seems to be attempting to do, is aggregate a bunch of information together so that people who are interested in contributing to the open source community have a place to go, a simple web interface where they can find out how they can become involved in open source. Now, that's whether they want to become involved in open source as a developer, as a bug fixer, as a document writer, or any of the other things that are necessary in order to produce open source software. What OpenHatch is attempting to do is become a repository where you can find out all of the things that are going on in open source, all of the projects that need help, and it's a place where you can set yourself up a profile, let the community know what kind of things you're interested in doing, what kind of skills you have, and it helps pair you with open source projects that need the kind of help you can provide and also lets you browse around and see if there's anything you want to participate in. When you first go to openhatch.org, you can basically sign up to the website and it will allow you to have access to some resources which will pair you up with open source projects that you might be interested in. One of the easiest ways to do this is using the concept of an open ID. Now, what this usually is, is a URL reference to an account that you might have either with a particular service, for example, WordPress or LiveJournal or OpenID or uh, what was the other major one that I that I was thinking of here? Oh, um launchpad the ubuntu service if you have an account with any of those things wordpress live journal launchpad etc etc you already have an open id uh what you can do for open hatch is log into open hatch using your existing open id in other words you can use a url that includes your wordpress account or your Launchpad account or something like that. In other words, if your WordPress account is, say, your callsign.wordpress.com, then you can use that to log into OpenID. If you don't happen to have an OpenID, then you can create one. If you go to the openhatch.org website and click on the, you know, login, it will give you several places, including myid.net, openid.org and Verizon and several others 
where you can actually create an open ID. Once you've done this, you can actually use your open ID to have access to anything that will authenticate you using an open ID. So if you say join open hatch, then you can use that open ID and say someday in the future you decide to join Launchpad, then you can use that same open ID and it will authenticate you properly. And this way you can keep a single username, so to speak. It's actually an open ID, but a single open ID for all of your web application presence. And um, there's one way in which a lot of people might recognize this without even knowing it, and that's with the WordPress Gravatars. If you've ever logged into WordPress and uploaded your picture, you know that if you go to any WordPress site, even if it's not hosted at WordPress.com and you leave a comment, then it will find your OpenID Gravatar and you'll have an image there. Well, that's using the concept of OpenID. Using that concept, you can log into OpenHatch and create yourself an account. Once you've done that, the idea is that OpenHatch tries to pair you with projects you might be interested in. And the way it does that is you basically tag yourself. You set up your profile saying, well, I'm interested in PHP and Python or Haskell or Lisp or things like that, that you're interested in development or documentation or any number of other things. And then you put in details on what kind of projects you might be interested in participating in. Then it gives you search options in which you can say, well, I'm interested in what kind of Python projects are needing help right now, and it will point you in the right direction. One of the other things that OpenHatch does is aggregate a bunch of bug trackers. So if you're interested in hammering out the bugs of a particular project, it will have direct access to those bug trackers, like the GNOME project for one, has incorporated its bug tracker into OpenHatch. So you can go to openhatch.org and look for the GNOME project and find out what bugs are open in the GNOME bug tracker. And if you're interested in trying to squash any of those bugs, you can get to the bug tracker and attempt to contribute to the GNOME project using OpenHatch. OpenHatch will allow you to see what bugs need to be squashed in any number of open source projects, as well as what coding needs to be done for a bunch of projects and what documentation needs to be written for any number of projects as well. And you can find those all in one repository, which is openhatch.org. So that's basically what it's set up and designed to do. It basically makes your interaction with the open source community easier and a, and a sort of one-stop shop for all of the things that you might be interested in doing. One of the other things you can do with openhatch.org is aggregate your own project. So let's say you have a project you've started at SourceForge, or you're interested in making an application that does a particular thing, then once you have that product page set up, and you have a bug tracker installed, and all the things you, you need in order to get participation in your open source project, then you can register it with the openhatch.org project and it will combine it 
with all of the users of openhatch.org and those people who are interested in the things that you tag it with will be able to find your project and help you out with it if they're interested. Now, when I signed up today, I saw that there were almost 5,000 users registered with the openhatch.org project. Uh, they're all geolocated, so you can find people who are of like mind in your geographical area and those people who are not in your area who have similar interests. You can also find ways to contact them and interact with other people in the open source community. So I found that this is actually a pretty interesting resource for anyone who would like to contribute to some open source project. And even if you don't know what exactly you're interested in contributing to, the Open Hatch project can help you figure out what you might be interested in and allow you to connect with those projects and the people who develop them. And you can be a contributor in the open source community. Even though I didn't really know what openhatch.org was when it was first suggested and didn't really seem like a project that necessarily needed discovering, I found that it could be a very useful tool and I might actually browse it myself to see if there's anything interesting out there that I might be able to contribute to uh, because I wouldn't mind having my name out there as a developer of an open source project. It sounds pretty interesting. So... Did I adequately explain that, or do you have anything else to contribute? I know nothing about open hatch. You have to remember, I'm a, I'm like a finger-poking kind of guy. If something broke, I poke my finger in it, and if it don't work after that, then I go on the next thing. Okay, but do you know what open hatch is after listening to what I said, or were you just zoned out? No, I was listening. Okay. I pay attention. <laughs> I can even cipher and do my numbers and stuff. What's yeah. one plus one? Six. All right. I only say six because it sounds like that other thing. <laughs> one and one is 11. And I see it's wrong. It's 11. I, that's true. One and one is 11. That's right. Yep. Two and four is 24. Bill reminds us in the chat room that we discussed originally open hatch in episode number 59. So actually it didn't go too long before we picked it up again. I'm glad about that. Well, there you go. Sometimes I think when we come back to a subject, it tends to be, it tends to have been so long that the folks may not remember. I, I'm not sure that I remembered. I remember we talked about it. Yeah. I remember we talked about it too. Okay. Okay, that's so, about it, all I had for uh, for that. So what's well, okay. the, what's next on so the you, list here? So well, I mean, so you say there's old. Uh, we got that taken care of, and open hatch. Y'all y'all go check it out. The only thing that's going to keep all this really good, uh, yummy Linux goodness going on is if everybody jumps in and contributes. I didn't even discover that I was an open source advocate till a week or two ago. Really? What was the revelation? I read something that said that if you somebody that promotes something that you advocate, well, then and I'm are. all on board with the Linux thing because I hate Windows Seven. Well, there you go. So you're definitely an advocate. I'm all on board, and I can even use a command line sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, you said there's some development going on, some new developments in the SVX Link situation. Well, the, all about. There, there's no developments in SVX link that I'm aware of. The development is that I actually got it to work properly. 
I want to say that there's nothing much I can go into on real details about this, but I was having some problems with SVX Link getting it to work. And for those people who are interested in a truly native Linux Echolink client, SVX Link is probably the way you want to go. But I want to say that I downloaded the SVX Link version 11.05 and I went through the instructions. When I tried to do the build on it, it blew up in my face. However, Google was kind enough to show me where the problem was, and I don't have it here in front of me, but if, if it blows up in your face and you get a specific error about missing include files, you can go to Google and enter in the error, and you will get a page that says, well, you have to go in and fix this one particular file, make a minor change to one of the lines, and then it will build properly. And then if you do the make, make, install thing that it suggests, you will get SVX link up and working. And that's exactly what happened for me. Even though it blew up once in my face, I was able to fix that one file, get it to build. And then you have to go in and make the SVX link configuration files. You have to tweak them a little bit. There is some documentation about how to configure SVX link to work with your setup. It's not entirely intuitive, but if you mess around with it a little bit, you'll you'll figure it out. We're all smart people here. I know we, we are, so you'll get it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, well, Richard won't get it, but everybody else will. Um, and then once you do that, if you run SBX Link uh, from a terminal anyway, I haven't tried running it from a shortcut. I haven't built a shortcut for it yet. But if you run it from the command line, I've had SBX Link powering my two-meter rig on a local frequency, 146.225, here in my area, uh, for many, many moons. And it will show up in the, the list of available Echolink nodes, and it will handle traffic and, and read and process DTMF tones and do all of the things that an Echolink server is supposed to do. And of course, SVX link also contains the QTEL client, so you can access it via your computer as well. So I would like to say that even though it's not the neatest project and it's not packaged currently for Debian or any other distribution that I'm aware of, if you want a truly Linux native Echolink client, then go ahead and do a Google search for SVX link, download 11.05 and give it a try. It, it should work for you and you know, once you get it up and running, it works really well, and you will be uh, Windows-free running Echolink. So that's about all I had to say about that. Well, all righty. Uh, yeah, that's something that I want to play with at some point in the future, but uh, I'm really going to have to figure out what I can get away with around here. But y'all go over and take a look at it. These guys up late at night. They, they've been at a day job all day. They're sitting there in the dark with Xena running over on the TV and a hot pocket in the hand, and they're trying to program this stuff up. If we got to work with it a little bit, that's the price we pay for freedom. That's right. Freedom. Freedom. And, freedom. Uh, yes. You can find SVX Link at svxlink.sourceforge.net, and that link and uh, the link to the ins installation instructions, which are off of that URL, will be included in the show notes. So give it a try. Heavy on the dumb in my case. <laughs> Freedom. 
So we got all that covered. We're coming to the end of the thing. We need to run through some feedback because we've been remiss and we need to get that on out. Uh, I noticed that the feedback is not a flowing in. It needs to flow on in y'all flow it. Well, the episodes haven't exactly been flowing on out. So now, now that we're back on the track and getting things out there, I think we'll get some more feedback, but yes, please send us your feedback. We'll get to that here in a few minutes, but we do have some things we need to tell you about. Uh huh. Okay. Tell me. No, the feedback. You can oh, read the, the feedback. Page. Yeah, the feedback. Well, then tell us about the donation from Oscar A. No call. Well, I don't think I have to now because you just did. Oh, we got a donation from Oscar A. Yes, no so call. There, there was no call sign associated with the donation, but thanks very much, Oscar, for your donation. We really, really appreciate it. And we would like to ask that if anybody else can submit a donation, that you please do. We have a new donation link on the website and if you give us permission to do so we will have your donation well not the amount anyway but the fact that you did donated put up on a wall of fame on our website saying that you donated to the linux and the ham shack podcast so please do if you have uh you know this is worth worth the price i think of a cup of coffee or two so even if you have only two dollars to give we would really appreciate it and remember that all donations are gratefully received. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. Yeah. And not only are they well received, they're also well spent. We use them yeah. to pay for server fees, to improve the show, to get hardware where necessary, to provide bandwidth for streaming, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, all of this stuff that we have to do to make the show is not free. So any help we get is much appreciated and is less money that comes out of Richard and I's pocket. Like I said, you, we, we will be graciously happy and everything else. Uh, y'all send those donations in, help us keep the doors open. I'm still too close to it. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we, we gratefully receive any donations and we put them right back into the podcast and we will be happy happy to let everybody know that you sent some in long as it's not a dead animal or bodily fluids. Um, I would like to say regarding the SVX link stuff that I just talked about that I was inspired to finish off getting it working from an email by Rick K nine alpha Oscar kilo nine alpha Oscar, who hey. sort of gave me instructions on how to do it and uh, made me want to get it up and running. So I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and read his email, but I want to thank Rick for the push and getting, and getting me going in that direction. So you got an email from California, N6PAZ. What's that all about? Well, let me dig that up, and then we can talk about it. N6PAZ. Oh. We are woefully unprepared to be Internet personalities. That's true. Both of, both of us. I don't see that one. Why did I put it in there if I don't have it? Oh, there it okay. is. Where did you find it? I did find it. Okay, okay, we got a comment on the website from N6PAZ, which said, quite simply, saw you guys at Dayton Hamvention 2011. Cool website. It's now in my bookmarks. Seven threes, N6 Papa Alpha Zulu. Well, so, you just take that bad boy bookmark and you put it on Twitter and Identica and Facebook and you spread it on around and put up some posters in your hometown and put it on the side of your car and write it on the side of your chicken with a, a, a pastel marker and you spread the word, spread the word. I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead. 
no, that's absolutely fine. And by the way, um, I'm going to have to go ahead and um, retract what I said earlier about the fact that Oscar, who sent us a donation, didn't have a call sign, because apparently Oscar is N6PAZ. There we go. He didn't put it on the donation slip. No, he didn't put it on the donation, but he did put it in his email. So thank you very much, Oscar, for your email and for subscribing to our podcast and for sending in a donation. That's a triple whammy. And they are not tax deductible, but they sure are helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they might actually be tax deductible in the future. We are actually, we have a corporation set up and we are looking for tax exempt status. And if we get 501c3, then your donations to Linux in the Hatchack will be tax deductible. And we will let you know if and when that happens. Don't make me resign. Make you resign? Yeah. <laughs> I don't belong to Mesquite Club anymore because it went 501c3. Oh, well, you'll be fine. We won't kick you out. Wow. All right, yeah. so what's next? Well, I'm, I'm BB sent us an email before he went to bed. He'd have to wait for the next show, I think. Yeah. All right. So where we was. Oh, yes. F8ARR has been polling the Internet. And tell us what he found, Russ. Well, what he found was on his website, and I just had it up and now I lost it, but let me get back to it here. Here we go. At his website, f8arr.org. Yeah, Phonetically, that's foxtrot8alpharomeoromeo.org. He took, yeah, yeah. Back on July 2nd, he took a poll, and that poll was... What distribution is used on your Shaq's computers? He had 262 respondents to that poll, and here's what he found. He found that 23% of his respondents use Linux in the Hamshack. 3% used Macintoshes. 1% used FreeBSD. And if I do my math correctly, I believe that means 73% used Microsoft. Now, what's interesting about that, however, is that 23%, or let's call it 24%, that used either BSD or Linux, which is pretty cool. And what's even cooler is F8ARR said, Linux in the handshake? Not for you yet? Well, one PC out of four, not so bad. And also, have a look here. And there's a link from his website, so Linux in the ham shack. Hey, look, that's us. That's us. That's right. So that's us. for those people who apparently responded that Linux was in their ham shack, he pointed everyone to our website. So we want to send out a big thank you to F8 ARR for his poll, for the information he provided, and for sending everybody our way. We really appreciate it. We know that they're definitely using Linux in France. That's right. So I take back most of the stuff I ever said about the French people. <laughs> I don't most know what you've it. said about the French people, but I really don't care. Yeah, you've heard it. Well, I know, but I'm not, I'm not going to admit to it. I take back the bad stuff. <laughs> and I'll leave the stuff about the hot gales and the Statue of Liberty in there. Anyway. All right. So now we know. And I wonder how broad his reach is. His his website is in in English, so I would imagine he 
He has quite a few folks coming that direction. Yep. How many respondents? 262. Yep. Holy cow. Maybe we should try something like that. Maybe we should. So en- enough of playing with that. An email from N1EA. Yes, we did have an email from David, N1EchoAlpha, and his email reads thusly. Hello, Russ. Uh, I don't know if your MP3 feed for Linux in the ham shack from Jonathan Nedu from Frostbite's. Wait a minute. Nedu. From Jonathan Nedu from Frostbite. He got the name of. Okay, wow. That sentence doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to read it as it was written. I don't know if your MB3 feed for Linux in the ham shack from Jonathan Neto from Frostbite Systems, he got the name of the Vinix website incorrect. Now we use www.vinixproject.org. We use the latest and greatest Orca and Speech Dispatcher and other speech system programs and libraries so that our visually impaired users have the best possible speech. We have lots of nice GUI and CLI programs for general use and also for ham radio. One of my favorites is TLF, the left foot, available from for Debian and Ubuntu and other repositories. Vinix has its own PPA repo for updated Orca and other speech systems. We also have picked our programs so that most of the programs are accessible. Some aren't, but our audience is not just totally blind, but also visually impaired. People who can see, but not all that okay. 7-3 from David J. Ring Jr., November 1, Echo Alpha. So I want to thank David for sending along that little bit of errata about the information we got from Jonathan Nedu about Vinix and the Vinix project. So if anybody's interested and happens to be visually impaired or blind, and needs assistance with using Linux, whether in the hand shack or just for general use, check out the Vinix project. And thanks, David, for the information. Yes, thank you very much. We, we really thank you very much. I've been lucky enough to know a handful of uh, sight-impaired ham radio operators, and they're all really, really good people on top of being exceptional radio operators. So any information we can get, and we're really interested in getting information uh, that will will help these uh, sight-impaired and even the hearing-impaired hams further their participation in the hobby. And uh, thank you very much for sending that information in. We will uh, for sure get it out in this podcast, and somehow or other we might even get it wrote up and put on the website. Thank you. Okay, the next one was a google alert for something that showed up on ham radio nation uh no this wasn't on ham radio nation this was oh yes it was actually it was on ham radio nation and also the original site was www.amigaz.org amigas.org which is the website of mz studios uh brainchild apparently of I'm not sure who, but this was a post written by KC2UHB. Is that the right one? KB2MOB. KB2. It goes by Moby G. And uh, I, there's a comment in it that says, I've got a great name because his first name and my first name are the same. But go ahead. Okay. What was the call sign? KB2MOB? KB2 Mike Oscar Bravo. Right. Kilo Bravo to Mike Oscar Bravo. 
Now, we will ha- uh, it's a fairly lengthy URL, so we will have it in the show notes. And I'm not going to read this entire article, but suffice it to say that there is a very glowing review of Linux in the Hamshack on this particular website. And we are really appreciative of that. And I have to say, I was um, glowing all over myself when I read it. So thank you very much, KB2MOB. We, we like all the publicity we can get, especially the good kind. They say it really doesn't matter, but they they say it really doesn't matter, but I'd prefer the good kind anyway. Glowing. That's what he calls it. Sounds like bodily fluids to me. (laughs) You call it what you want. I'm going to say glowing. Well, there you go. Um, Actually, uh, this Google alert came through. looks like it came from Ham Radio Nation. Uh, I looked into it a little bit. We went ahead and got the website. Because that particular article has scrolled off of the front page over there at Ham Radio Nation now. And, uh, yes, go over to the AMZ Studios at www.amigas.org. A-M-I-G-A-Z. You ought to be able to hunt it down. Or the easy way is check out the show notes because Bill will have it there. I, I want to read and this one little bit. Even though I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read you this one. You got me little. excited too, so read the whole damn thing if you want to. No, I'm not going to read the whole damn thing. <laughs> People can go read it themselves. Just click on the link. But here's here's one thing that sounded particularly good. They don't seem to have a regular set schedule for new episodes that I could see, which is wrong, by the way. I will say that we do come out every other week, and if anyone has seen the show notes, or not the show notes, but at least the announcement for the last episode, you will see that we will be coming out every other week again. So we're we're back to every other week. But anyway, but I'm sure it's a lot like my life where you have to take care of things like family and work and such, which is why it seems like I can never get an episode of Amiga Roundtable out the door. But what they do have up is fun and entertaining as well as informative. They offer a few different ways to interact with the show and different formats to download the show as well as streaming via an IceCast server to listen to music and shows when they are live recording a show. And, and there's lots more where that goes. Thanks once again. We, we rarely get uh, as much kind praise as, as we did in this particular episode. And I am completely flattered. That's all I have to say. The, the whole thing's got me excited. I mean, the, just that, that article, uh, fantastic. It's, it's nice to uh, actually have somebody write something like this about this show. I've seen articles like this about the other show, and uh, it's nice to know that these are out there. I'm sure there are more out there than just this one, but I really appreciate it. Sure enough, and Bill even got a message. He said that uh, uh, they need to send all their hate mail to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, but, uh, we've done a bad uh, thing. I'm sorry. We've done a bad thing. What's that? Sending all our hate mail to Bill. He didn't ask for that. He didn't sign up for that. All right, everybody. We've had about as much as this one as we can stand. Yes, we are going to try and get back on a regular schedule. I hope by the next time, next go around, I have an actual desk in here instead of a piece of cardboard with some poles underneath it. If you need to get a hold of me, uh, Oh, yes. By the way, any of you that still have the Seabridge.net address for me, lose it. All mail for me is coming through Gmail at this time. So if you want to get a hold of me, 
please contact me at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or go look on the usual suspects. Twitter, Identica, Facebook, uh, just uh, bunches and bunches of social networks. If you go in there and type in KB5JBV because nobody else is crazy enough to use that for uh, a sign-in, you're liable to find me. Send me your your uh, complaints, your praise, any hate mail. I'm, I'm I'm good for all of it at this point because life is really looking up, really looking up. So uh, I'm going to let Russ give you all the particulars, and I'll be back in a minute. Okay, I'm going to try and do this as quickly as possible. You can contact me at k5tux at lhspodcast.info or info at lhspodcast.info if you want to send something to Richard and I together at the same time. I am J.R. Woodman on most of the social networks out there, including Twitter, Identica, Foursquare, Facebook, etc., etc., etc. I'm also K5TUX at 73s.org. If you want to contact the show, send us an email, leave us a comment on any of the posts over there at lhspodcast.info. You can even leave us voicemail at 417-200-4811, option number three. And we will put you on the air unless you request that we don't put you on the air, in which case we'll respect your privacy. We may make fun of you, but we'll still respect your privacy. Anyway, I think that's about it for me up here between the peaks and the pine forests of north central Arkansas. This is K5TUX. You've been listening to episode number 63 of Linux in the Hamshack. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, but I'm going to send it back down to Richard in Heartland, Texas. And he's going to yeah, say, we're going to have to call it something else. I think. Well, you can call it something else, but go ahead and take us to the end. Join us next time when we find out uh, what the disposition of the sheep is. Anyway, thank you for joining us this time, folks. From on top of the card table, uh, deep in the uh, beautiful and scenic hills of Heartland, Texas, this is KB5JBV, and we'll see you all next time.